This week in Parliament, the Public Health and Wellbeing Amendment Pandemic Management Bill 2021 is going to be debated in Victoria's Legislative Council. Uh, Before I get into discussing that bill, which will be in tomorrow's episode, I think it is important to discuss whether the current state of emergency is justified in Victoria. So that's what I'll be doing in this episode. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hi there, I'm Cameron Blewett and this is episode two of the Fifth Estate Podcast. As I mentioned in the uh, intro, the Andrews Regime's Pandemic Management Bill is to be debated in Victoria's Upper House this week. This bill, if passed in its current form, will give the Premier and Health Minister unprecedented powers, powers which bypass the accepted checks and balances of the Victoria Parliament. And of course, all this is dependent on the Premier making a pandemic declaration. Now, this declaration doesn't need to be for an actual pandemic. It can be for anything which the Premier decides is of pandemic potential. Now, as I said before, I'll dig deeper into that bill in the next episode, though for this one, I want to discuss whether there is a genuine reason for Victoria to be in a state of emergency. And to do that, I'll be digging into Victoria's the current Public Health and Wellbeing Act 2008 and the 20th report to Parliament on the state of emergency that was tabled on the 29th of October 2021. Though before I get into all of that, I wanted to share with you some stats uh, that are current for today, the 14th of November 2021 at uh, 12pm, so that's at lunchtime. So in the past 24 hours, or actually was it yesterday? Anyway, uh, there were 60,818 tests. Of those 60,000 tests, 1,221 people tested positive to the, let's call it blah, blah. Uh, That represents a 2% positive test rate. Now... um, there were also four deaths, which brings the uh, the grand total to uh, 1,222. So that is for 2020 and 2021. Now that represents a uh, fatality rate of 1.17% uh, per positive tests. I uh, should also jump back up to the top of that one and say at the current moment there are 16,671 uh, active cases of people floating around out there with the blah, blah. Uh, there were 405 people hospitalised with 77 in the ICU. The hospitalisation, that represents about 2.42% uh, as per, uh, of active cases. Uh, or it represents a grand total of 0.005% of total cases. Now, all up, there are 103,760 total cases of people that have had the blah, blah, which represents 1.55% of the population of Victoria, which uh, at last uh, figures that I'm using was 6,661,700. Um, to date, uh, so this would be for 2020 and 2021, there have been 14,092,812 tests done. Now, the positive test rate ends up being 0.009%. 
So let's <laughs> whatever it is of those people out of the fourteen million point zero zero nine percent of tests came back as positive. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm really having doubts whether any of those figures are, you know, equate to a genuine uh, state of emergency, especially when you consider. So where are we now? We're at the 14th of November and this year it has been, what, 402 people who have died with the bug, with the blah, blah, not from. That is, remember, it's with the blah, blah. Though up until September, which is a month and a half ago now, um, suicide claimed 488 lives. Uh, So, you know, you you do have to wonder that we're responding this way to this pandemic and I'll use that in quotes, uh, this pandemic yet and calling it a, a state of emergency yet not paying any attention to other things that are more substantial uh, risk to public health. Now, should also add, um, you know, while it is going to sound gruesome, we do need to take into account uh, the ages of the people who did die from it and that uh, a majority of that is in the uh, 70-plus age group. Uh, if I pull up the stats... Uh, where are we? Okay, so active uh, additional case data. So this is, uh, once again, as per 14th. Okay, so that's uh, up until midday today, uh, being Sunday the 14th of November. Uh, 243 people have died in the 70-79 age group. Uh, 478 in the 80 to 9 age group and 354 in the 90 plus age group. Now that's, as I said, a total of... Oh, figures are wrong somewhere. They've got 1,226 and yet that's only, say, 1,222. Anyway, um, we'll worry about that one later. I'm not, you know, that math is incorrect somewhere. So... If we do a quick calculation on that one, uh, let me get my calculator out here, 243 plus 478 plus 354. So 1,075 people have passed with the blah, blah, not from the blah, blah. And let's say we go for their 1,226. So that means so far... For the whole since, so that's last year and this year, 151 people have passed with the blah, blah. Now, why do I start at the 70? Now, that, um, if you have a look at all the government stats, uh, they go for um, life expectancy. They've averaged it out to be about 75. So, you know, even if we go for between the 70 to 79 it's 243 if we say okay we'll add another 100 onto that one uh so you know 120 so we add 100 onto that previous number and it is still not anything that you know let's say 251 or actually 270 people have died uh with the blah blah now if we actually get it cut it down to ones who died from it you'll see that the number is substantially lower. Um, 
Now, does that warrant a state of emergency? I do not believe so. Uh, and yet, for some reason, the minister uh, has taken the advice of the uh, chief health officer and decided that, yes, it's going to be a state of emergency uh, and has extended the declaration uh, 20 times, hence the reason that there has been 20 reports to parliament. Now, I'm looking at that one now. Uh, the last report, I think when it was tabled, or this one when it was tabled in parliament was something like 500 and something pages. Uh, they're just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and uh, most of it is just waffle. Like, have a look at this. The, the, the main bit to read in that uh, state of emergency report is the advice from the chief health officer to the minister. Now, that is 32 pages and it is just 32 pages of waffle. It, talk, it talks about nothing. So, uh, chief health officer's advice to minister for health as of... 5 p.m. 5th, uh, 5 p.m. 8th of October, advice relating to the declaration of extended extension of the state of emergency for 21st of October. Now, that means that this advice is written out nearly two weeks before the state of emergency is extended. Uh, you know, we've got to trust the science and that this is dynamic and constantly changing, which is why they can't book in advance and say, hey, this is when we're going to open up, yet... For some reason, they can say, hey, they're going to lock us down that far in advance. Uh, you tell me. Uh, now, going through this, uh, excuse me, with while well, I just go through it, it, it just, it, seriously, it is just waffle. Uh, it waffles on for a number of pages and the, the relevant bits are buried near the back of it. Uh, actually... Miles in the back of it because, okay, it says, all right, so we'll have a look at this one now. They go on about talking about uh, restrictions and everything like that and what they've done. Uh, on the 6th, for example, in paragraph 52, from 6th of uh, September 21, the federal government introduced a no-fault compensation scheme to cover the cost of anyone who suffers a serious adverse reaction to the TGA-approved COVID-19 vaccination. The scheme is to increase community confidence in the vaccination program and support the position that vaccination of co against COVID-19 is one of the most effective ways to reduce severe illness and death from infection. Why does that need to be in there? Like, seriously, why does that need to be in there? That, that, that's a paragraph there. Uh, paragraph 53, the teacher has provided advice that Coronavac, Sinovac and Covishield, AstraZeneca Serum Institute of India, vaccines are considered recognised vaccines for incoming international travellers and are regarded as appropriately vaccinated. This is in addition to the four approved va uh, vaccines approved for use in Australia. Pfizer, Comirnaty, Vaxivir, AstraZeneca, Spikevax, COVID-19 Moderna and COVID-19 Vaccine Janssen. Uh, recognition of these vaccination, uh, vaccines support Australians to be able to return to be able to return to return who have had these vaccinations overseas. Um, you know, why did that need to be in there? Paragraph 54, vaccinations are now mandatory for freight and healthcare workers entering Victoria. Why does that need to be in there? We're talking about an, an extension of the state of emergency. Um, now, blah, okay, so now this is where it gets interesting. Uh, you know... 
current stats, talks about that. Uh, relevant legislation informing the advice, approach to the advice by have considers the use of emergency powers on Section 200 of the Act. I'm guided by the objectives of the Act. Paragraph 93. My advice is based on the best available evidence. However, the lack of complete scientific certainty should not be used as a reason for postponing measures to prevent or control the public health risk. Uh, wow. We know that. The minister knows that because that's his portfolio, so he doesn't need this. As I said, this is just a load of waffle. Uh, reasons for advice, uh, paragraph 100. Uh, actually, no, we'll skip back to that. We'll just go back. Paragraph 99. My, my advice must focus on whether COVID-19 is a serious public health risk as defined in Section 3 of the Act. Now, if you have a look at Section 3 of the Act and it says... Uh, skin okay without limiting the definition of serious risk to public health serious risk to public health means material risk that substantial injury or prejudice to the health of human beings has or may occur having regard to number of persons likely to be affected location immediacy now, but that's the general one, though there is a little um, inserted when it was updated last year without limiting the definition of serious health risk to public health in subsection 1. For the purposes of Division 3 of Part 10, COVID-19 may pose a material risk of substantial injury or prejudice to the health of human beings even when the state of community transmission in of COVID-19 in Victoria is low or there have been no cases of COVID-19 in Victoria for a period of time. Now, that's, you know, this is the thing, is that they've created the rule, they've changed the rules, changed the definitions to satisfy something that, you know, they're creating a boogeyman and changing the, the, the legislation to, to focus on that one to, to suit this narrative. Um so it goes on. Uh, Section 100, maintaining some level of restrictions across Victoria is necessary while there is a risk of COVID-19 being transmitted from un, uh, from other jurisdictions. Uh, and then it goes and talks about incursions, recent incursions of the virulent Delta strain into Victoria. Um, uh, uh, paragraph 103, um, COVID-19 is highly contagious. Now, really? Is it highly contagious? Now, you know, I, I would like to say that, you know, I'll, I'll call BS on that one because as I've said there, um, 0.09% of people who come in with symptoms, and yes, I understand that some of that may be surveillance testing as well. So let's say, you know, even if we include, we take out um, a, a quarter of that, and just turn it round to being that, you know, okay, well, let's go conservative. Let's say 0.01% or even 0.02% of people, you know, are, are testing positive, of, of people who have gone in for tests. Is that highly contagious? Because these people have gone in with symptoms. So they've gone in with something saying, oh, I've got a headache. Or as Professor Brett and Dan have said, if you've got symptoms, you've definitely got COVID. Uh, they've gone in with symptoms 
believing that they have they do have the blah blah because of what the misinformation from the premier and chief health officer and then it's come back saying no um and yet, you know, it's here he is saying here it is highly contagious. The virus may be transmitted by people just prior to being symptomatic or when symptoms may be negligible or unnoticed. Asymptomatic infection is also well described. Without measures such as limitations on gathering sizes, mandatory testing, identifying contacts through record keeping, quarantining people returning from high-risk environments. Now, I should make it clear here that the state, ha- the state of Victoria has no jurisdiction constitutional jurisdiction for quarantining people what they are doing is detaining people under the public health act that's different to quarantining anyway uh, or isolating diagnosed cases or close contacts one infected person is estimated to infect on average between two to three other people noting that an infected person could potentially infect many more than that particularly considering the growing evidence pertaining to the delta variant and other variants of concern uh, some evidence supports a proposition that the Delta variant has reduced time between cases being exposed to the virus and becoming infectious themselves, meaning shorter interval, blah, blah, blah. The current interval is around six to seven days, an incubation period of up to 14 days. means that it may take several weeks for the effect of any intervention to become apparent. Research suggests three weeks. Now, you know, I, I've read through this a number of times and I do generally believe that this is the best work of fiction I've read in ages. Um, you know, it, it's, as I said, what was it, 32 pages and 161 paragraphs and it says nothing. There is no uh, health advice in that. There is nothing. It doesn't say anything about how to uh, prevent it, how to reduce the thing. All it just talks about is, hey, we've got to do this. It just goes for waffle, waffle, waffle. Uh, And yet for some reason the incompetent minister, and I'm going to call all these people on on this regime, they are incompetent, Uh, they're not doing their job, they're not, um, you know... Uh, act, you know, they're not actively uh, representing the, parla- the 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 people. They're not actively doing what they're supposed to be doing with responding to uh, being a minister of state and all that. Now, uh, going back to what I was talking about before when I was uh, talking about numbers, it says here, um, paragraph 130, since March 2020, COVID-19 has been implicated in 895 deaths in Victorian community according to national definitions. So the last recorded COVID-19 death occurred in Victoria was reported on 8th of October. Now, obviously, there, there is, as I said, there's been, uh, because this was done on the 8th of October for a declaration and extension on the 21st and here we are in November now, the next uh, one is supposed to be getting extended, I think, four days. I think it's Thursday is the, the next extension, which hopefully is going to be the last one. And I'm hoping that the bill doesn't pass through. So, but, you know, they're saying here, implicated. Uh, It doesn't say it is due to it. Um, And so, you know, it it really does baffle me that uh, this has been able to get through. Um. 
Where are we? We go through, we talk about uh, vaccines. Uh, goes through, talks about vaccines a bit more, public health measures to remain in vaccinated populations such as face coverings. Evidence also suggests that public health measures such as physical distancing, self-isolation, testing, quarantine and hygiene measures can assist in control of spread of COVID-19. However, we're bright, blah, 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 blah. Um, Though achieving zero cases is no longer the goal, it is imperative the health system is not jeopardised as restrictions ease and Victoria opens up. Um, you know, if they had have got people for the last 18 months outside, off their backsides and actually doing something, then, you know, instead of living in fear and, and looking at this misery porn that uh, the corrupt corporate press brings out and everything like that, maybe we wouldn't have rates as what we are uh, to that. Now, uh, section 140, uh, paragraph 147 talks about the proportionate response to address a serious public health risk. Uh, in, in addition to the issues framed above in accordance with the definition of, of the serious risk to public health as defined in section 3 of the Act. Now, remember, they've changed the definition. So even if there's no COVID around, they can still say it's still a serious public health risk. I note the measures to stop the spread of COVID-19 will have serious uh, will have a significant impact on the community. Uh, the primary focus remains on whether the state of emergency adopted measures are proportionate to the public health risk posed by COVID-19. I've referenced these impacts as part of my consideration on whether the extension is proportionate. So, of course, he's going to say yes because it gives these people the power that they want, whereas... Uh, you know, I do not think it is proportionate when you have a look at, at the figures that I quoted, uh, the, the numbers that I went through before of, what was it, 151 if you um, exclude those above the 70 age group or let's say, you know, we, we make it, um, what was it, what did I say, 270 for the, the 75 onwards. Um, then, okay, 275 people in since March 2020, they're saying yes. So it is definitely not a proportionate response. Uh, so the advice, now the advice is on the last page, page 31, and is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, six, six, seven paragraphs. Um, I consider that having regard to the above factors, there continues to be a serious and potentially catastrophic risk to public health on the basis that there is a material risk that substantial injury or prejudice to health of human beings has or may occur in Victoria related to COVID-19. Um, so this one, oh, this one's done by the acting Cho, so Professor Benjamin Cowie, uh, because Professor Brett decides to have time off and you know avoids putting his signature to, to things like this. So this is the Acting Chief Health Officer. Um, you know, uh, paragraph 159, arising from this, I advise the Minister to extend the state of emergency declared on 16th of March 2020 under the Act for a further period from 11.59pm 21 October 2021 until 11.59pm 18th November 2021. Um, you know, it, it's... 
I advise the Minister to declare the extension of state of emergency from 11 to increase the prospects of limiting transmission of COVID-19 in Victoria and continue to minimise as much as possible the serious risk to public health arising from COVID-19. Now, you know, this is the thing. Uh, we've got all these uh, people telling us that this new bill is going to be... Um, you know, more transparency and accountability and all those sorts of buzzwords from uh, the, the Andrews regime, yet they're failing to acknowledge that there is already that uh, accountability and transparency in the act as it is and none of it, you know, is adhered to by the Andrews regime. As I said, uh, they've changed a serious what they define as a serious public health risk, a serious risk to public health to suit that. Uh, and then, you know, going back through all this, we're talking about the principles of the Act. Uh, where are we? Objectives. Principle, Section 5. Principle of evidence, evidence-based decision-making. Decisions as to the most effective use of resources to promote and protect public health and well-being and the most effective and efficient public health and well-being interventions should be based on evidence available in the circumstances that is relevant and reliable. Precautionary principle, which is in number uh, section six, if a public health risk poses a serious threat, lack of full scientific certainty should not be used as a reason for postponing measures to prevent or control the risk, the public health risk. Now, that's the excuse that they're using to bring in these draconian measures because there's lack of that. But hey, we've got eighteen months of statistics. The statistics. Statistics that I've read out to you explain whatever it is. Um, principle of primacy of prevention, they're not talking about anyone, anything else that you can do to prevent it, like exercising particular vitamins or anything like that. They're just saying, get the jab. Supposedly the jab is the only way that you can prevent it, though it doesn't actually prevent it because you can still get it and you can still die from it. Uh, principle of accountability. Persons who are engaged in the administration of this act should, so far as is reason is practical, ensure that decisions are transparent, systemic, uh, systematic, and appropriate. Uh, members of the public should therefore be given access to reliable information in appropriate forms to facilitate facilitate a good understanding of public health issues and opportunities to participate in policy and program development. Principle of proportionality. We've read that. Principle of collaboration. Public health and well-being in Victoria and at a national and international level can be enhanced through collaboration between all levels of government, industry, business, communities and individuals. None of that is applied. You know, they, they don't look at any of that. They've just decided that, hey, this gives the chief health officer the power to uh, exercise these powers. Bang. Hey, we're going to do it. Uh, you know, and it's... You know, it is concerning even the bill as it is at the moment, uh, sorry, the act as it is at the moment is concerning. Uh, the new bill is going to make it even more so. Uh, but, you know, this is the thing. I am hoping that it doesn't pass. There is talk now uh, about uh, amendments being done, uh, you know, getting more parliamentary insight, though the way the Andrews regime is going to do it, they're going to only want the uh, the people they can control to be able to have any sort of impact or say on what happens. 
Uh, there is all talk about the detention orders, which will be used against people of particular classes, groups, or whatever the attributes are as to being appealed to VCAT. Though that's going to be a bit hard to do if you're locked up in Micklem and to appeal to VCAT. You know, what are they going to do? Are they going to let you out if there's 200 people uh, that are rounded up and sent to Micklem? You know, is, is VCAT going to be able to hear them all at the same time, you know, individually, or are they just going to keep it as a class group and say, yep, okay, no, we'll just bundle you all in together? Um, you know, there's thoughts and questions about that. We'll have to wait and see what that, that what happens with that one. But as I said, uh, the next episode, um, I'm waffled a bit more, but, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, we should be reading these uh, reports. They try and, you know, bury... Uh, information in all sorts of places. Um, if anyone took any notice of anything that I said in the previous episode and has written to the secretary, uh, the information that is in these reports may be of benefit to you. If not, it is likely to be of benefit to you if you do appeal or do seek a review of the secretary's decision in VCAT. Uh, so, yeah, um, as I said, apologies about waffling so long, uh, just some stuff that I needed to get into and wanted to talk about. Uh, the next episode tomorrow I'm going to be talking about uh, going through the bill. So I've got um, printed copies of both bills and the explanatory memorandum, so I will go through that. Uh, maybe a bit of a longer one uh, because there are very, very concerning parts of the bill that will relate to the Public Health and Wellbeing Act. Uh, so we, you know, it, it does need to be covered off, and I think people need to understand how dangerous this bill is, and uh, you know, to preface any arguments uh, that hey, New South Wales has got it. Like, who really cares? I'm not talking about New South Wales. I live in Victoria. This is what I'm concerned about. This is what I think that people should wake up to. Uh, that this bill is dangerous to Victoria. It's not dangerous to New South Wales because. Hey, New South Wales has got these. If the people of New South Wales aren't happy with it, then, you know, they can rise up and uh, express their concerns about it. So this relates to the people of Victoria. Anyway, as I said, um, not going to drag on too much more. I'll uh, just sign off now. Um, please subscribe to this on uh, wherever you get your podcast. Um, working on getting a uh, email notification page set up on the Fifth Estate uh, Go in, fill in your details. Uh, you'll find the show notes to that where I'll include uh, a link to the uh, report, the 20th report to Parliament on that. That'll be under the fifth estate forward slash episode 02. So, anyway, I'll also include a link to the Public Health and Wellbeing Act um, in PDF and and Word document form. So, it'll be straight off the, the government's website. So, anyway, as I said, um, thanks for listening. I hope you join me on the next one where we'll dig a bit more deeper, or we will dig deeper into that bill. Um, hopefully, by the time it gets to Parliament, uh, it's going to be changed. So this will be uh, it'll be the episode that comes out on Tuesday, uh, and then so hopefully the, the bill that gets presented to Parliament or read out in the Legislative Council is substantially different to the one that I read out. But you know, we'll wait and see. So anyway, as I said, thanks for listening. My name's Cameron Blewett and this was the Fifth Estate Podcast. Thanks for listening and bye for now.